Welcome to Midweek in the Word, where each week we seek to become better readers, hearers, and doers of God's Word. This podcast is brought to you by Faith Bible Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. Now, here is your host, Faith Bible Church's Adult Ministries Pastor, Pastor Brad Myers. Well, hello again, listeners, and welcome back to Midweek in the Word. Thanks so much for taking the time and joining us for finding time in your busy schedules to to throw the podcast on, uh, whether you're driving or or doing something and finding time to to join us. We appreciate the time, and we appreciate you following along for our our series continuing, uh, What Does the Bible Say About? Now, if you listened to last week's episode, uh, you know that we started a discussion with Dustin Rogers talking about the doctrine of creation. Dustin Rogers, the lead pastor at Heritage Bible Church, and he introed this subject and, and gave us a little bit about himself and a little bit about the doctrine of creation and where we find that in the Bible. If you missed last week's episode, I would really encourage you to go back and listen to that. It's really part one of that interview. This week, we have part two of that same interview as Dustin begins to move into where there are some differences of opinion on the doctrine of creation within orthodoxy, and then some some heresies in addressing the rest of this episode. So if you missed it, make sure you jump back and, and take part one in um, so that you'll understand where the conversation picks up and where things left off. Uh, but before we get into that, and before I replay the interview or play the rest of the interview for you, uh, let me just remind you that this last Sunday, Tom was talking um, about our new sermon series. He launched us into our new sermon series in Revelation chapter one, uh, talking about the seven churches of Revelation. And he launched in there and began segueing into how we see that all set up in, in Revelation. One, uh, we'd encourage you to go back and find that if you missed or weren't able to join us on Sunday. Um, as always, you can find Tom's messages um, on our website at faithbiblelincoln.org, or you can go to our podcast feed, just search for Faith Bible Church Lincoln, Nebraska, and select the podcast with the black background and the white letters, and you can find any of those messages that you may have missed, whether it be from previous sermon series or whether it be from this new one, Dear Church, that we just launched into. Um, but that's that's what last week. Like I said, if 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 you've gone back at this point and listened to part one of our conversation on the doctrine of creation with Dustin Rogers, uh, then you'll be right up to speed on where we're going in this week's episode. Dustin will pick right up where we left off last week, um, and we're going to be start starting to talk about the the room for disagreement within the doctrine of creation. I hope you enjoy this week's podcast and the rest of the interview with Dustin Rogers. We're going to get into this a little bit more. Are we going to dissect Genesis 1 and 2 here just a bit, but we got to keep moving. Okay, so here's the, here's the question that maybe you were, you were speaking to with the answer to the first question. Yeah. Okay, so where are the disagreements within Orthodox Christianity on this subject? We want to talk about heresies here in a second, too. Okay. But what about within Orthodox Christianity? Where are there disagreements within creation? It's a little bit blurred there with regard to Orthodox and heretical. And uh, that sounds dangerous, just me <laughs> saying that, but it's a little bit blurred because um, with regard to creation, there's a sense to which there is a shared, there's a shared uh, goal. Mm. I think the goal uh, with regard to differing views on creation, the goal is always around modern science and harmonizing what the Bible says with what we think science tells us. Mm-hmm. Right? So that reality of trying to harmonize the Bible with science has produced differentiated 
orthodox views and also heretical views. Yep. It's kind of a, a common, you know, reality. Um, so obviously that demands to be teased out. Uh, and I'll just uh, give a, a preface to say that we're obviously not going to tease this out in, <laughs> in, in perfect ways or in fine-tuned ways this morning. But the reality is that there are orthodox positions that are differentiated between each other. Um, in other words, there, there are positions that people will hold with regard to creation that keep them in the mainstream evangelical church. In other words, we would not call them heretics, um, and hopefully they would not call us heretics. So what are some of those? Well, I would say the majority of our listeners are probably in the category of young earth creationists. Mm-hmm. We believe that Genesis 1 spells out very simply and very plainly, if you want to take a plain hermeneutical approach to the text, very simply and very plainly, that God created the universe in six literal days, and on the seventh day he rested. Um, thus, if you, if you start there and you just kind of march through a timeline of Scripture— we would suggest that the earth is roughly six to 10,000 years old. And we don't know exactly to the day, but our best estimates looking at timelines, et cetera, is that the earth is young, it's created by God with the appearance of age in ways, but the earth is about approximately six to 10,000 years old. Well, there are some orthodox positions within a... um, what I think is a sound understanding of Scripture that would say, well, we believe that God created the world, but in order to harmonize it with what we are seeing in science, we we are open to other possibilities with regard mm-hmm. to age. Yeah. For example, the day-age theory. Yeah. Some would subscribe to the notion that each of those days that are reflected in Genesis 1 and 2, each of those days reflect ages, right? So day one, perhaps, is a thousand years, or perhaps it's a million years, right? Right, And so they would use that to uh, calculate that perhaps the Bible does harmonize with modern science, which would date the age much older, right. date, date the earth right. as a much older age. So that, that's one theory. Another theory would be the gap theory. Uh, people believe that some uh, people believe that there is a gap between Genesis one one and Genesis one two, and that gap is pretty great. And for example, they will argue that it's within that gap that Satan fell. So God created, and within that gap, Satan fell, and then you sort of resume, you know, the creation story, and that is how you would factor in the age of the earth. And then, as already referenced, uh, there are those of us who simply take the Bible at face value and at a plain reading, and we would say, well, if there was an intended gap there between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2, why wouldn't God have told us that? Right. And because of that, in that plain sense, we are, we are suggesting, no, there wasn't a gap. Rather, God created the universe in six literal days. It wasn't hard for him. Right. Right. We're talking about a supernatural God. We're talking about a God who raised his son Jesus from the dead. We're talking about a Savior who walked on water. Yeah. 
it would not be hard for him to create these things in one 24-hour period. Um, Another thing that I will say as, I think, textual evidence with regard to a plain reading of Scripture in Genesis 1-1 for a young earth creationist position is that God does take great pains to say on each day and evening and morning for the first day, right? Evening and morning for the second day. And this gives, I think, structure to a particular 24-hour period. Yeah. Um, so uh, there you have a few views that maybe give a flavor of how people could uh, suggest, you know, maybe the earth is older than six to 10,000 years and still believe the gospel, mm-hmm. right? Still be brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah. Um, so with regard to my position, what I believe uh, is in that young earth creationist model that from a plain reading of Scripture, uh, I believe that the earth is roughly six to 10,000 years old, that these uh, days are literal 24-hour periods, and that God spelled it out as such in the text. And knowing what we know about God, even what we've talked about already with regard to his greatness, his power, his prestige, um, and his limitless omnipotence, it's not hard for me to believe that he could do it. Yeah, yeah. Very good. So we've got kind of these three different positions within orthodoxy. Now let's mm-hmm. switch to the opposite side. Where, where is, where is there outside the bounds on this subject? Where, where do differing views on creation begin to undermine the truth of the gospel? Very good. Okay, so something that I hope that your lis- listeners noticed with regard to these first three views that I just uh, sort of briefly sketched is that all three of those are coming at the text underneath it, like subordinate to the text. In other mm-hmm. words, we're trying to understand the Bible uh, for itself. The question here is, do I start with the Bible or do I start with science? Yep. That's yep. the question, and that's the rub. And I think that's where this conversation is really important with regard to the sufficiency of Scripture. I think that there are too many in our, our world today who would prefer rather to start with science and then try to make the Bible fit it. Yep. And I would just suggest to you that when you go there, when you go there, you've sacrificed this beautiful word that God has given to us whereby we can know him. Mm-hmm. Okay, again, fundamentally, creation is about God's disclosure of himself whereby mankind can know him. Now, to be very clear, and I know you've already covered this, we can't really know God with out special revelation, which yep. is this word, right? Yep. Which is yep. this word, and also the living word, Jesus Christ, God's primary revelation of himself. However, in God's revelation, he has revealed himself in such a way that we can know him, yep. right? So I think it's a disaster when we take what he has made and we, in effect, use it against what he has said. Yeah. But yeah. I think that's what people do. Yeah. And thus you have heretical positions uh, whereby people seek to harmonize God's word with their science and then end up doing away with miracles, end up doing away with the supernatural, right? And thus you will find preachers even in in this city who will come to the New Testament, okay, this is not creation anymore, they will come to the New Testament and they will say, well, he didn't really walk on water, right? Right. Or he didn't really raise Lazarus, right? You know, it was kind of theater. He was yep. proving a point or whatever. Um, he didn't really calm the storm, right? And 
thus you begin to undermine this word whereby God has said, this is what I've given you so that you can know me. Yeah. Right? This is what I've given you so that you can know who you are in light of me. Once you start undermining the word of God, you're in a very dangerous place. Yeah. So when modern secular science says, no, the Bible's wrong, like clearly the earth is 53 billion years old or whatever, some people panic at that juncture and they go, oh, no, like now the Bible's irrelevant. Now I have to figure out a way in which to read the Bible in light of modern science. I would say that's heretical and that's dangerous ultimately to the destruction of people's faith. Mm. So here, a a great distinction here between like what I talked about with these first three views and that. Um, These first three views that I talked about, young earth creation, day age theory, the gap theory, there is, even though (laughs) we would say a couple of those are still wrong, uh, they are seeking to understand the Bible. They're seeking to interpret scripture to say, God clearly created this ex nihilo, we're just trying to figure out the age thing. Does that make yeah. sense? Oh, yeah, very much so. I, because in, in a lot of ways, it, it stems from the same thing. I love that you're talking about the literary aspect of it. Wow, mm-hmm. What was the Bible written? What was it? What was God trying most foremost to communicate? Right. You know, and so you've got outside the bounds, which is basically to say the Bible sits underneath and is subservient to scientific theories and philosophy right. and things like that. Right. On the other side, within the areas of disagreement, what we're recognizing is the Bible answers the questions it was written to answer. Right. And there is some room where the, the first and foremost reason for Genesis being written was mm-hmm. not to answer the age of the earth question. Correct. Now, exactly. it's right insofar as it speaks to it, and Correct. that would be our, our doctrine of inerrancy. Well said. But the primary purpose, as you've already said, is to glorify God, not first right. and foremost to give us a scientific textbook on right. how creation was, That's really well was said. created. So I, I love where you're going with this. I, I know one of the things one of the things I've... I'm quoting here from Wayne Grudem's book, uh, Christian Beliefs, 20 Basics Every Christian Should Know. I love the way he puts this, mm-hmm. talking about creation. He says, we should exercise care then in speaking to issues that the Bible does not clearly speak to. And when our observations of the natural world seem to conflict with our understanding of Scripture, we should look again at both, seeking to find where our limited understanding and imperfect knowledge of either could be wrong. Ultimately, a proper understanding of science and a proper understanding of Scripture will not be in conflict. We are the ones that are messed up or aren't right. seeing it clearly. It's not right. God's word. Um, right. Amen. Very, very good. Okay, finally, we can't end a discussion on this without talking about, and you've already spoken to it a little bit, how does this impact our lives? What, what should a proper understanding of creation, what is the impact that it should have on us as believers? Well, let me just quickly speak to uh, the last point that we were making, and that is we ought to have great confidence in the word of God. Amen. We have to have great confidence that when we pick up the Bible and read it, that this is the Word of God. These are the very words of God, and they are reliable. Um, and I think when you get into the realm of creation, even if you go to the zoo, right, you're, you're immediately struck with the whole billions of years, <laughs> millions yep. of years, and the, yep. the story of evolution and how this is all just a process, and it resulted from a big bang, and God is not in that picture, yeah. And uh, I think that it's really important for the Christian to go, you know what? I'm safe starting with the Word of God. Yeah. Safe. So, so trustworthy is the Word of God. And uh, so I just want to encourage your listeners that um, in so, so many realms, the Bible over and over again has been proven to be trustworthy, even with history 
and science. Yep. Right. So yep. when you hear scientists come on and say essentially, well, that the, the Bible that's just a religious hoax text, you know, yep. uh, don't allow that to shake your faith. The Bible is the Word of God. It internally testifies to that, externally testifies to that, but it's also something that we accept by faith, that God created this place, and he's spoken to it, uh, both naturally and specially through this book. And so I just want to encourage everyone to take the Word of God at face value. When you come to the miracles that are reflected in Scripture, believe it. Yep. Believe it. Yep. Trust it. Um, the same God who can, from... His own mouth, obviously we're speaking metaphorically there, right? Right. God is a spirit, but from his own mouth can speak forth words that form a planet like this. Man, he's trustworthy, yep. and his, his word is also trustworthy. So I guess that would be one point of application. The word of God is sufficient, and I would just encourage a plain reading of it. Mm. Uh, a second thing that I would say is really kind of tying us back into the beginning of where we started, and that is worship. It's worship. Um, this is something that I've learned from my son in. So my second uh, child, he's an 11-year-old boy. His name is Dylan. He's the most uh, just vibrant little kid. I mean, he he's just, uh, man, he, he's just a bundle bundle of <laughs> life and energy. And I just, I love, I love all three of my kids. But Dylan, um, with regard to creation, just stands out because he loves creation. He loves wildlife. He loves bugs. He loves animals. <laughs> he, as a pastime, will read bug encyclopedias. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, he just has an affinity for uh, God's creation. And it's been a blessing for me. It's been a, a good sort of illustration for me about what I should be yeah. as a Christian. Because when he goes out, man, he's always looking to catch bugs. And he's always talking to me about the most beautiful butterflies, you know, that he's <laughs> caught or whatever. And yeah. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. the fate of those butterflies isn't great, but uh, he's mesmerized, mesmerized by the beauty of them and yeah. the, the different species, and it all reflects the glory of God. So I would encourage your listeners, go to the zoo to worship, Yeah, to worship. I mean, every single exhibit, you're going to see something different, a different pattern on a coat, right? A different pattern of antlers or horns, a different uh, species of animals, different types, um, water creatures, land creatures, airborne creatures. It's just phenomenal to go to the zoo with your worship glasses on. Hmm. I would encourage you, I mean, this might sound a little bit odd, I guess, especially from a pastor, but go to the zoo like you go to church. To worship God, because everything there that you're looking at is just a reflection. It's like a mirror that reflects, this is the greatness of God. Yeah. This is the glory of God. In a day, without working hard, yeah. <laughs> in a day, God made all this. Yeah. He designed all this. It's just phenomenal. So last summer, I got to go with my family for the first time to the Grand Canyon. Yeah. Same thing. We go there as Christians to worship. Not to be like, whoa, that's a like that's a huge pit. No, <laughs> it's not just this random pit. It's a reflection of the glory of God. Also, by the way, a lot of evidence there with regard to the flood. Yeah, yeah. 
um, which is a whole other <laughs> podcast, subject, right? Yes. Could be a whole yes. other podcast with regard to creation. But um, yeah, there again, you go and you stand on the edge of that and you just say, this whole thing declares the glory of God. Yeah. Wow. It also helps me understand I'm so small. Yeah. We are so small. Okay, so uh, 2020, this little virus just totally upended our entire world, right? Right. Yep. COVID upended our entire world. What would happen if God just said, sun's not coming up today? Yep. Like I stopped the earth spinning on its axis. I stopped it. Because we have to understand that everything that's happening, every little turn of the earth, this is all orchestrated and sustained by God. Yep. All of it. What would happen if he just paused it? Man, this world would go ballistic. Yep. We'd go nuts, right? What does that tell you? Like every morning we see the sunrise, it should be just a reminder, Dustin, you are small. You are totally dependent upon my provision. Yeah. Worship me. Yeah. Worship me. And then on top of that, as Christians, we know that God the Son invaded this planet, this world that he made. And he was here, lived perfectly, went to the cross, and laid his life down as a sacrifice for sin to save me. So not only is God providing for me and everyone every day with the sun, the moon, the stars, rain, on the just and the unjust, Jesus actually came here to live and die for me. And God wants me in his family. That's phenomenal. Mm. Christians should be the happiest people on the planet, the most joyful people on the planet, because we have the opportunity to wake up every morning and go, wow, the heavens declare the glory of God. The heavens declare the glory of God. He's so big. He's so great. He's so good. And he loves me. Yep. I'm his child through faith in Jesus. So, yeah, discussions about creation, uh, which I think too often descend into unhealthy debate. Discussions about creation should fundamentally lead us to worship. Amen. Amen. Next week, we're going to be talking a little bit about the doctrine of, of mankind, or it might be in a couple of weeks. I'm trying to remember how that goes. Um, and it's, it's just fundamental to who we are that we worship, right? Mm -hmm. I find it interesting. You're mm -hmm. talking about going to the zoo to worship. It's, even if you're not a believer, it's almost like we've congregated in areas to marvel at creation, yes. right? So why is there a tourist attraction at the Grand Canyon? Yes. Even unbelievers worship. They marvel. Go. They wonder at what God has created, even if they aren't cognizant or aware of mm -hmm. what it is that God's created them to be doing and this gift that he's given us in creation. So good. Very good, Dustin. Oh, by the way, you know, it, again, just for confidence with regard to the believer, uh, it's far more of a stretch, far more of a stretch. Standing by the Grand Canyon, standing in the zoo, uh, standing at the foot of the mountains, it's far more of a stretch to suggest that this, this happened by accident. Mm. <laughs> far more of a stretch to suggest that than to just simply say, you know what? Clearly, a good God designed this. Yeah. Clearly, someone designed this. And I think, wow, it's an opportunity for evangelism as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's been an opportunity for, for us as a family to evangelize through creation, just to say, isn't that phenomenal? Isn't that remarkable? Yeah. And you know yeah. what? There's someone behind it. <laughs> Yeah, that not only works, that it's beautiful. Amen. It's incredible. 
Very good. Well, listeners, uh, that is it for this week's episode. That's basically what we're hopefully, I know, I know there's a bigger topic and I know there's a lot here. There's so much more we could go into on this subject. And I know we're just barely scratching the surface and introducing this for you. Um, but hopefully it's been encouraging to you. Hopefully it's been helpful to you. Hopefully it has inspired you to worship as mm-hmm. you walk out the door every morning, as you visit places around the world. Uh, any final thoughts, things you'd like to leave our listeners with on this episode, Dustin? I think I'm good, brother. Thanks so much Very for good. having me, and uh, just grateful to be able to share uh, life with you guys, and just grateful for you, Brad. Well, thanks for the time. Thanks for your theological understanding, for your biblical <laughs> knowledge, for sharing that with our listeners. And with that, we'll call it a wrap on this week's episode. Listeners, I hope this has been encouraging to you, and I hope you've benefited from hearing from Dustin on the doctrine of creation. Uh, One quick thing to keep in mind as this Sunday is quickly approaching, uh, this coming Sunday we will be moving into our first church in our Dear Church sermon series, the Church of Ephesus, found in Revelation 2, verses 1 through 7. I have the privilege of being able to preach on this subject, on the Church of Ephesus, and on Christ's words to that church. So I'd really encourage you to join us. I hope to see you there. And thanks again for listening this week. If it's been helpful to you, as always, just remember you can share it with somebody else. You can rate the podcast or you can comment on it to help other people find it. And we do hope you join us again next week for Midweek in the Word. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To learn more about Faith Bible Church, please visit our website at www.faithbiblelincoln.org. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Faith Bible Church, Lincoln, Nebraska, or on Twitter at the handle at FBC Lincoln. As for this week, we'll leave you with Paul's words to Timothy. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith.